Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Simran. Welcome to Women Who. Women Who is a podcast of conversations with women who challenge the status quo. Okay, I am very excited about today's episode. We have been planning and planning and... Not only is she a talented business female founder powerhouse, I think Simran and I are also really excited because she has become a really good friend. And so today we are excited to welcome Helen Contazopoulos, co-founder Odaya, an AI SaaS tool to drive meaningful pharma engagement between commercial teams and their customers. She brings her knowledge in artificial intelligence, customer analytics, and business development to build products users can develop and find lasting value in. Helen is an adjunct professor at the University of Toronto in the Department of Computer Science, and her passion is making AI art. Helen is one of my favorite people. Like, I've got, like, little, like, happy butterflies in my stomach right now, and so... Helen, let's start with, I really want to give you the opportunity, set the stage. Tell us your story in your own words. Oh, my. Okay, listening to you, listening to you two, like, introduce me is kind of crazy. I, you know, my day-in-day life is not that impressive for me. So hearing it from you guys, like, reading it out is kind of weird. Um, I would say about eight, nine years ago, I decided to change the way I, I thought about the world. Um, and just what I wanted to do as a career, as a passion, as just thinking about what I want to create in my life. And I was doing, I was freelancing, marketing analytics, web development, design, just building for clients uh, from hotels to spas. And I realized at one point um, I was just the user of products. I was just the user of the technology. I wasn't the builder. I wasn't the you know, I was creating, but it wasn't creating to the core of it. And I realized for me to really build out my career, this was about nine years ago, I realized that now, um, that I needed to be at the center of the build, the center of who was creating this technology that I was using. And the only way I can think of that is I didn't want to work um, freelance anymore. I wanted to build projects. So I started changing my life about project-oriented thinking. And that technology was, I'm only going to work on projects that are in emerging tech. Like I put it out into the universe. I had no idea how I was going to do this. Um, and I got this, uh, this opportunity to work at, the, at this mobile innovation center at OCAD University. And that's where they were designing mobile like products. Um, you know, you had all these app developers, you had these design thinkers, um, everyone from technology, from Google, BlackBerry, um, TELUS, everyone who was working on the mobile is going to be first, you know, so everyone's like, oh, look, what is this new, you know, people were using phones, but now the phones were getting screens and people were using them differently. And I got really excited and I said, okay, I, I think I found my people. Like, I think I found the wonderful people that build stuff, right? So I, I went into more of the builder side. A weird introduction, volunteering, 
opportunity where I started helping this person called Steve Mann. He is the godfather or the, you know, I think he's the godfather or grandfather. No, he's not the grandfather. He's not old. He's the godfather of wearable technology. So Steve Mann. And he introduced me to uh, Marvin Minsky. And I met Marvin Minsky, who's like the father of AI from MIT. And I was like, who is this person? Uh, He passed away a year later after that. But um, that's when I went, this is crazy. And I was introduced to U of D. I talked to tons of different people. I said what I work on. I started teaching. And eight years later, I'm right in the center of what AI is doing in the field, at least in an industry. Um, and I'm working on some cool projects, my own startup. I still teach at the university at the Department of Computer Science uh, and uh, Department of Computer Mathematical Sciences up at Scarborough Campus at U of D, um, teaching students to build product and design them and think about being future leaders and founders. So, yeah, that's long story short. <laughs> what a plot twist. What? Right? What a plot twist. Yeah. Like, you put that out into the universe. Yeah. And then you're introduced to these hugely innovative people, yeah. and now it's crazy. Yeah, I think that I think you've got to be intentional, right? You got to put it out. And I think sometimes people think it's pretty flaky to put out into the universe that you want to do that. Um, but what happens, I think, is I think there's a principle out there where you you start thinking about something. And you then start seeing it everywhere. Like you want to, you know, there's things that you want to ignore in the world, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you see it everywhere. But in this case, I wanted to see it. So that's all I did. I went where groups were, where people were. um, And I said, I will do anything. So you give up a great freelance career um, that I was doing great to being a volunteer. And I said, I will take an economic hit, but I will take an intellectual like level up to to the max. And I, you know, then I fell into, you know, here you are, 2014, 2015, I'm co-founding an innovation lab at computer science, because I just said we need a lab. And they're like, okay, we'll give you resources. I said, we're going to concentrate on commercializing AI. Um, at the same time, they're like, oh, IBM Watson wants to do a university program. How are we going to do it? I was like, I know how to put it together. Let's do this. And then you're surrounded by Jeffrey Hinton, who's the father of deep learning. You know, you're surrounded by all these crazy, amazing people. And who am I? I'm just this, like, random developer, designer who's just, you know, I didn't think, I I don't think I'm special at all. I just have this major want to build and create and connect people. And... That's yeah. That's that's pretty much like. I, I don't think I'm special at all. I just want to do stuff. Like I want to do stuff that really is special and romantic. Because I think if we don't have impact, then we're just kind of we don't get rid of our feeling of weirdness if we don't create good stuff in the world. Well, you've created some fantastic stuff for lack of a better word. And I, okay, so a couple of the things. I truly believe that you are so special. And I think part of what Simran and I put out into the world was that we wanted to do something more too around female empowerment and mentorship and giving back. 
And I think then enter you into our lives at Dentsu. And I think too that we've, what you said too about contributing and you contribute in such a positive way and you have, but you also really do connect people. I mean, you connected us with so many different fantastic women uh, when we launched Female Foundry. Uh, was that this year? Was that last year? No, it was last year. Was it? No. no. It was, it this, was year. this year. It was 2021. It was 2021. Women's Week. We did an entire week of programming and some insight. Yeah. Simran is silently freaking out with timelines here, <laughs> as am I. But there was My some brain really- is in a very confused state. <laughs> Simran, that was still just this year. That was not. Was it, it was. It All was. Right. Because we're already starting to talk about, okay, what are we going to do the yeah, next year? Yeah, yeah. But anyway. Add it to the list of accomplishments, ladies. Yeah. This, I think at the end of the day, you're, you're feeling, you, you're going into these, you, whoever you are, you're going to go into these worlds where you're going to feel really small as a female, right? You're going to go in and you're surrounded by some like crazy minds who are doing amazing things. And... When I would go to these meetings, like I might be the one creating the whole program. I would literally, you know, at the university in these big, great halls that they have, and they're they're like Hogwarts on like at, like on steroids, right? You go in, you're like, oh, this is wonderful, and there's like Merrick Gertler, or like you know, there's a mayor there, or like you know, there's like impressive people. And I would always choose the entrance chair when you enter the room. Mm-hmm. I would sit like in the back in the corner and I'm running the program. Mm-hmm. But the, these are the first few like like year maybe when I was just, you know, and then they'd be like, so how's this program going to run? And everyone kind of like goes and looks into the corner and they're like, yeah, Helen has, how's that going to run? Like, you know, like everyone just kind of swivels and looks over into the corner and I'll be like, yeah, I've got the plan over here. Um, and I think that 20, from 2014 to, you know, 2018 where, now it's running programs that are like showcasing people from the Turing Institute. You know, now I'm on the stage. Now I'm running the whole programming. I think the confidence level, no, you're, you can be at that round table. Eventually, I think it was one VP who like just said, Helen, uh, there's a chair there. And I'm like, where's the chair? And then like a chair ma- like miraculously like appeared. And I was like, where did that chair come from? It's Hogwarts in here. Um, but you come in and you realize there will be people who pull you in. Um, and there will be lots of people who pull you down, like little comments and things like that, like microaggressions that you hear about um, that a lot of women feel and, and experience. But you got to kind of um, kindly, aggressively get yourself to that table. I don't want to say everyone's like lean in. Yeah, you try to lean in aggressively. <laughs> um, so for me, it's like it was it was it took a bit of time for me to get that boldness to say, no, I'm running this and this is why we're here kind of thing. Yeah. We always talk about leaning in, but speaking up. Yeah. And I know it, it, and it's even just, it's great to see that there's more women around the table, but we always want to see more women at the head of the table too. Right. And I think you're, you are now in a position where you're more at the head of the table in a lot of these discussions and the fantastic thing about working with you is that you do pull others up 
and with you. And very, I actually don't think ever, I've seen you push anyone down or away or dismiss. Oh my God, that would be crazy, right? Why would I do that? Who would I be? It'd be like evil Helen. It's like evil Spock. Oh my God. No, I don't like this concept of evil Helen. I do not support it. I, if I have to start an anti-evil Helen brigade, I will do it. Um, there are so many wonderful things you just said, and I want to unpack some of them. Like when you talked about like setting this intention and putting something out into the universe, I, I completely agree with your assessment of, you know, people consider that maybe airy-fairy or, you know, somehow this like supernatural event is going to occur and the universe will like miraculously bring this to my doorstep. But the distinction in the story you're telling is you followed through. There were critical actions that you put your time, energy, and economics behind. Can you talk a bit about like what was your mental state? What were you going through as you were go- like anticipating and then actually physically going through this transition? I don't know if it was an article I read about a year ago or where Elon Musk mentions that you have to put a vector and everyone guides into the vector. It was more for how to become a leader who puts a vector in front, like a like a direction and then getting the whole team behind it. But then I felt like I was putting my own personal direction. And I put a list of things I would do and I wouldn't do. So sorry, small business, I wouldn't do work for you anymore. It had to be high tech. So I put my list of things I wanted. High tech, does this, uh, is this something that will give me more knowledge or will, you know, is it just a waste of my time, right? So it's, is it more knowledge? Are there very interesting people there? Who can I meet? So it's very intentional, every single thing I did. And there were, you know, there's some that are not perfect, right? It fell into a point where I was literally going to 60 events in one, in one year, I went to 60 events, not including hackathons on the weekends. That's like three to four events per week. Um, and hackathons on the weekend, I didn't see my family at all. Um, and they were all tech events. And that was because of OCAD. OCAD goes, oh, you're really good at this social media thing. <laughs> So I went, yeah, I'm good at this social media thing, right? You're, and then also being this kind of on-the-ground journalist, right? And being on LinkedIn, being on Twitter, talking about what people were talking about. And that's where I made all my connections. Like I just socialized like there was no, like there was no end. But it was, this whole point was, that was all free work. That was not me. This is me in my 30s deciding to do lots of free work and doing a bursary. And people were, I, if you talk to other people at the time, they're like, um, no, I'm not sure I can do that. I wouldn't ever do that. Like there was like this really, I'm not afraid of being poor. You know what I mean? Like I've been there. So it's like, I'm not afraid of hard work and I'm not afraid of that. I think that's the, um, but writing the list of where I needed to go, um, uh, for the for the listener on the other side, I think this is, I think could be cut up a bit, but I think it has to be intentional lists of people that you want to meet or want to be surrounded by and I want to read about and I want to think about. Um, and then you you kind of emulate a little bit, but then you need to come into your own. 
of how you do it. And then my point of views on social media and my point of views of LinkedIn, the kind of quirkiness, also then made my brand happen. So as being a branding professional, professional too, so a branding professional, I'm thinking, how do I brand myself? Yeah. So it was Helen is social. I would make pink cards. So I'd go to these tech events and people were like, who are you? <laughs> like I was bringing all my knowledge of branding, all my analytics, all that marketing information, all that. How do I build myself out as a brand? Because, you know, bringing all that information forward and putting it into something, um, you need to be remembered. And building out my personal brand was very important. I didn't think of it at the time, but I was, you know, something I just do naturally. But people need to remember you. And that's how they remember you to call you up when they go, hey, we've got this great event. Can you plan it? Can you put a program together? Can you speak at it? Can you do this? It needed to be that intentional. And I was doing workshops on IoT in 2013 and running a conference in 2014 about it because I said, I, I just, I need more information around me. Right? Like, I need to bring people around me who are smarter, who've done this for more years, and learn as much information from them. And then that's how the people around you are so important. And that's how you'll rise, or that's how you'll fall. Because mm-hmm. if it's not the right people, it's, they're just going to bring you down like a crab's in a basket, or you're going to be, or they're going to lift you up because. One, you're a nice person. They want to, like, hang out with you, you know? Um, and you can bring other people in, right? And uh, everyone, anyone needed women on a, on a platform, on a panel, and they'd be all, like, a mantle. I'd be like, no, I have women for that panel if you want it, right? So then I became the connector, like you said, Kate. Like, yeah. I just started saying, no, 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 you know what? Your next conference, let me help you out with that panel. Yeah. Well, I know that Simran's spoken on a couple of panels with you. I've attended said, said event. And sat in the back with my wine and watched. But no, you're right. I, I think that's, that's the biggest thing. And then even throughout those events, you would pull people over and say, hey, have you met Kate and Simran? This is Simran. This is Kate. Yada, yada. Yeah, because it's, it's, a, it's a network effect, yeah. right? Because yeah. then you're going to bring some other person. You're going to bring, like, because if we don't do this, um, I think as a female founder, if uh, the only thing that got me through COVID was being able to reach out to specifically women, my women network. If I didn't have that network, I don't know. I mean, yes, I think I would have been fine, but I wouldn't be great. You know, I wouldn't be, you know, we all went through, I think everyone who's listening has gone through something during COVID. Uh, Losses of family, uh, illnesses themselves, um, layoffs, um, everything, everything happened, right? And if you didn't have your network, who did you reach out to? And I always worried about the people who are alone the most. I always worried about them. And I'm like, how are we going to help our employees? How do we help our friends? How do we get out and talk to them? Um, how do we make, I think I created like three different book clubs and um, just martini nights and just anything I could, like, you know, just little text between people and go, hey, how are you doing? How's it going? Let's do in a woman's event, right? Let's mm-hmm. do things. Let's get together. Let's talk. Um, We can't stop because something got in our way. Because Mm -hmm. COVID. Oh, no. We can't do an in-person event. I can't do this anymore. I quit. Really? You quit? Nah. 
this is what's going down is we're going to we're going to now do more than we did before because now we have access to women internationally. Like yeah. now there's more people. Well, when I go. think about it, we had women from California on. We had a woman from Australia yeah. came in. I think it was midnight for her. She didn't care. She really wanted to meet uh, the rest of the um, the cohort. So it was fantastic. Yeah. So I think I think the the biggest thing for for us to think is it this is a mind shift. And that's, I think, you know, Simran, when you're talking about intention, intention happens every year, but it happens every day. Like, what are you tend, like, you know, what are you going to put out in the world today, this morning? Especially when it gets really, really bad. And you're like, what am I putting out? Because in perspective, there are people who are going through worse. And how do you help them? You know, and how do you, how do you help yourself first? Because otherwise you're just going to break down. <laughs> You know, and then you help nobody, which has happened to me many, many times. I'm like, not nothing's going to happen. Sorry, it's not going to happen. But how do you think your leadership style has shifted and evolved over the years? But then particularly as you just talked about like very challenging 18 months and a bubbling up of not only a mental health crisis, but like a myriad of, you know, personal issues that we're compounding what was happening in the environment. Like, do you think your style has changed as a leader? I think going through a COVID as a startup founder, there's no rule book. You read books and you read articles and you read other what other people do. And I wasn't sure, you know. And the first thing I did is reach out to others who were started startups, who are female founders, um, my my investors, and started socializing. So nothing that didn't change. Socializing did not change for me, right? Aside that Helen was all. still so Yeah, it was not going to, that wasn't going to end. Thank goodness, too. Yeah. Um, that wasn't going to end. But I think what happened is I couldn't get into a box and just go, okay, just what happens, you know, and just like stay there. But I realized I had to be proactive to learn to be now a founder of a growing company. So we're 30 people now. We were 15 at the time. So you grow up. Thanks. Um, so you grow up, you know, you're growing. You're not even meeting your employees. You're meeting them over Zoom. So you can't just like feel that, like, okay, do not feel your employees. That's an HR violation. <laughs> but, um, but you can't be in person and yeah, see them, right? That energy. Yeah, that, the, the energy. You the can't personal, do the yeah. energy connection, right? Yeah. Um, and so what happens, I think I realized, what I realized to be the right leader at this moment was I needed to do more research to become a student again over and over again, right? So it was, I was reading tons, again, reading tons of books saying, okay, I can't be who I was. I was always the first person who would run and try to do the work. I don't need to do the work anymore in the sense that I, there are other people who are much more capable. How do I give them my vision? How do I give them my mission? How do I help them and trust them to become the people who work for me and I work for them, right? And I wasn't used to that. I wasn't used to that kind of, because um, I was doing everything, you know? And now yeah. it's like transition time. Delegation. Delegation, becoming a master delegator. Showing my vision, I think, is really important now as a leader, I think. You know, being able to say, I see what I do in technology as something that people now can use, like that they could take AI and put it in their hands. And they can be empowered to use the data 
They don't have to wait for a data team. They can have the data. They could become a better salesperson. They could become a better marketer. Like, I think the first time I looked at Google Analytics and went, the power, you know, (laughs) I was like, wow, okay. How do I take that moment of feeling powerful that I understand my consumer? At least this is my personal story. How do I take that? Wow, this could make my job. Not only, it's not easy. This is not about easy. Oh, I'm using AI because my job could be easy now. It's like, how do I make myself 20 to 30 times or 50 times more powerful? Mm -hmm. How do I take that vision of enthusiasm when I am recruiting, when I am at a team meeting, when I am in front of investors, when I am, you know, here? Like, how do I say that empowerment feeling of using technology? How do I take that and show? And that it's not me running around doing stuff. It's me being out there and, and, and my team supporting me. So I think as a leader, that's how I've been trying to change my routine of thinking. And yeah, you got to level up then. It's another level up, right? Yeah. And you got to let go and trust. Well, and to take what you said before, you've set the vector and now you have to let the team go forth and conquer in their ways too, right? And where you come in and where you use your superpowers is in the way that you can positively influence a room and give that energy and bring that positive. And because you're, you stay curious 24 seven, I think you're one of the most curious people I've ever met. And which is a huge kudos because I, I, I do really think like being a student of life is what makes some people exceptional humans, right? I think one thing I, had to accept. Um, and I tried in the early days to, I would write my notes out and try to read them out when I was presenting and pitching. And I would be like, okay, I got to follow this exactly. Um, so I sound right. You know, what will people do and judge me? And I think a lot of people in the audience will go, okay, what am I sounding like? I got to sound perfect, you know, and I would try to memorize things. And um, I think in the last, I don't know, few months, I have completely accepted my messiness, my silly things I say, being funny, and just being like, whatever, man. If I make a mistake, I don't even think anyone notices, but I think they laugh at it, and I think it's okay. I I think that's the, the best part, is um, that I accepted that it was okay. Like, people really didn't care. They just wanted to, like, hang out. I wanted to listen to them. They want to listen to me. And just create a connection. So I think I think that's where I was so nervous in the beginning of being a founder is I was so afraid of not playing the part, right? Not playing the right executive or CEO, or I'm not a CEO, but I'm like the, but thank goodness. <laughs> There's other people who are much more care, capable of being a CEO. And that's my that's my co-founder, Philip. And and we've developed also as a as a friendship, as a, as founders, right? I think COVID is really weird that way because then you have to trust each other more. Uh, I don't know why, but it, it seemed like the development of the company has happened. It's progressed because of a crisis. People really, you really learned who people were. And I think friendships were built. And also you saw who stepped up and who didn't, right? I mean, look, frailty, I'm not saying about people being frail and having a hard time. I, I already mentioned 
that it's it's hard. But people who stepped up to help you, that's what you noticed when it got hard. And then you're like, wow, okay, these friendships are they're set in stone now. Now let's go have martinis when we're all in the same room. <laughs> you know, that was my like goal. Uh, I was like, what do I do to get you to step on my shoulders and I'll lift you, right? Like that's kind of my advice to the audience, the to listeners is always build your network and your community first, personally, um, as a company, build a following around the topic and the item you love the most and everything else will come. So if you love HR, you talk about HR like nonstop, dude, and everyone will come around you. If you love marketing or branding or data, the data people will come, you know, they will follow you, right? Um, And then you can start thinking, how do I go into that career or how do I go into that business? Because opportunities will just come, right? They they will will appear somehow. I don't know how it happens. It's magic. It's magic. It's leadership. That's what I think. Really? I think the beauty of what you just said is when you can have a level of self-awareness, which includes what we might call our superpowers, but also our fears, also our insecurities, and then we say, this is what I value. This is what's important to me. And you had that, that inflection point in your life, really, not, not just professionally. I, it's, from what I'm hearing, it was a very holistic moment. And then you made the active decision to be like, I'm going to go this way, but I'm going to do it in a way that's authentic to me. To me, that is a form of leadership. And I think that's why, from my perspective, you've been so successful in that connection and network building aspect. Because even when I first met you, I was like, I want to be Helen's friend. Um, And I couldn't, if you had asked me at that moment in time, I wouldn't have been able to verbalize why. But now I can look back in hindsight and it's because you showed up as yourself and you did it in a way that was, for me, unapologetic. And it's like moths to the flame. But in a way, that's that was part of what made you and I think continues to make you a powerful leader and a powerful founder. And then to layer like this wrapper around it, which is like cognitive flexibility. I am going to continue to be curious about the world around me. And it's a it's an amazing thing as a leader when you can sort of play in that space. And when you say you're not special, I'm just want to be like, yes, you are. You're special to a lot of people. Man, Simran, when I met you, like I was like, wow, she speaks so nice. Like her her words come together so well. Yeah, we were we were in a in we were in one of the rooms. Um we were pitching you our idea. And it was, I think, your first month at Dentsu. And you're talking about your experience about being able to take a lot of concepts and make them into tangible business objectives that can be implemented. I was like, wow, she could bring words together. Look at that. (laughs) Like if I put this pitch, I would never be able to pitch this right now. I was like, uh, you know, um, like I had pitched this on a stage. Like that's how we got to this point at Dentsu is I was on a stage pitching um, the technology to this room. I was nervous. Uh, I, I just like, my pants were wet. I was so nervous. I was like, I was shaking. These are the first years of pitching in 2018, 2019. And I was so afraid. And I want to tell that to everyone. And I get so nervous when I, when I have to get on a stage and 
even thinking about getting on the stage at times and, you know, like I was there this week with a, you know, in person, it was pretty crazy. But I go, I'm going to, I'm just going to tell my story. And it was a weird story. I, I tried to like make it funny. Um, and it's about like watching people and being able to see people and understand human beings and customers. And someone in the audience from Dentsu uh, was just like, that's what we want to do. We want to understand our customer. We understand their journeys. And that's where the excitement happened. And then that's a data story. And that's the data team. And then I met you and I was like, this team is so cool. This is amazing. Like these people are just, they get me. These are my people now too. And I think all people are my people, but it's, it's like people who love data and who love talking and talking about stories of customers, like are, are storytellers. And I know you're a storyteller that this is why it's, we can connect because you can tell your story, but you can tell the story of the needs and wants and pains of your customer. And if you can tell that story, then it resonates with the end, that end person, right? And then you're successful. So yeah, you, you put words together that made sense. And we're really like, I was like, wow, this person's so cool. I want to be your friend. <laughs> Here we are, Helen. Yeah, I know. We're not getting rid of each other anytime yeah, soon. I know. We're stuck now. We're the gonna three be like, of us are stuck with each other. Well, I was going to say, the only additive is then I came in <laughs> with some drinks and was like, hi, I'm Kate. Then we reeled Kate in. And we're <laughs> I was like, <gasps> I provide the entertainment. <laughs> I was like, we're going to be old ladies on a porch telling kids to get off our lawn. That's what we're going to do. We're gonna be Kate like, actually gonna... keeps us in check as the wheels, yeah. right? Tells us what, we're, what we can say and then some stuff we probably shouldn't say. It's an important piece of the puzzle. I remain 24-7 the publicist of everyone. We appreciate it wholeheartedly. I think you're, you're, I think, (laughs) I think also people don't understand how important it is to be a maestro of language. And in this world, we keep on telling people, go learn to code or go learn technology or go do that. And hey, you know, that's what I was doing, right? But I realize how important my background in the arts and anthropology and philosophy and thinking, critical thinking and history made such an important, I don't know what it did to, I can't, I can't, I, how important was being someone who was well-rounded, who could understand the history of adoption of technology, the history of adoption of anything, the history of speaking about work, the future of work. And I can talk about Taylorism because I had studied that, right? Like I can tell you about the evolution of things and then be in a room saying, I'm hearing the same sentiments of the issues of AI. So being a maestro of communication, Kate, is Understanding how to communicate properly with people is an art. And this is what happens with now is we're trying to get AI to do that work. And it is the most fugly, funniest thing. I think it's more of a comedy show to hear some of the getting AI to be your PR assistant. Um, Okay, maybe you can assist you and augment it or be a service to it, you know, maybe spell check something. But the connections of language to the humanity, to like to be human and to communicate is is fundamental, mm-hmm. you know. Words matter. Yeah. 
Couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I look back and like people ask like, well, what did you study in university? And they're often trying to like unlock some like passcode or I something. Know. Like, it's like a, it's, <laughs> a, it's, a, code. it's a secret that I only have. But I I did a, a weird double major. I You know, I had – I did my business degree, but I also studied English literature for four years. And when I look back at it and have the perspective I have now – I actually wholeheartedly believe that that time I spent studying literature, being critical thinker, like honing my communication skills are bar none more impactful on my relative success than the business degree. That's not me telling you not to go get a yeah, business no, degree. No shade to the business yeah. degrees. I but. think it's actually this. It's a unique combination of, again, it's the the heart and the brain, right? It's yeah. the yeah. art and the science and having a respect and an understanding for both that I think really does foster this like mental fortitude that you need. If you want to be a leader or even just, you know, show up as the best version of yourself in whatever discipline you love or are passionate for. And I love that you said that because I think as a founder, both aspects of that world probably have like critical interplay on a day-to-day basis for you. It's it's constant. Like it is, you know, yeah, I think people are all trying to find a Da Vinci code of, you know, what did you take so I can take it? Yeah. And this is where I keep on saying over and over again, what are you passionate about? Like, what are you excited about? And then get all the skills around it. And it's not going to be easy getting all those skills. Skills, building skills are hard. And I think the biggest problem people think is that it's a dichotomy. It's like one or the other. Mm -hmm. And some of my students in computer science are all CS students. The ones that really double major in, say, computer science and, say, music or in business, or are like, you know, or, or commerce, or or arts, or film, or, or do something like that, they're just bring, they're a powerhouse of talent, you know? They're like, they come in and they're just, their minds are thinking in very different, different ways, right? Mm-hmm. And like, you don't have to take one or the other, you just take both, why not? We're freaking Leonardo da Vinci's, and um, that's the conference I met Steve Mann at. He was running, um, that was the, the, the conference around, Le- like, could you replicate a Leonardo da Vinci uh, with no degrees, just this person who creates, who's an engineer, who's an artist, who's a, like, you know, you know, who's doing all these things together and pitch now this person. And it was interesting. They they put it, they created a profile of modern day kind of geniuses. And some universities took them, like accepted this Leo, um, and then some didn't. And it was interesting because the background just doesn't fit. Now, I think looking at nine years later or something, eight years later um, of that project, I think they would now because I think there's a different now people with different backgrounds. I have a designer who was in banking who didn't want to go banking anymore and just um, but not only banking, he he was more interested in processes and why people, why were these designed this way? How are we doing this? Like, like high finance and then goes into design and he's leading our design group. Like that this is the type of background mixtures that I think for anyone who feels like I don't have the right background. I don't come from the right way of doing things. Um, I don't wear a hoodie. Don't come from the right, you know, Stanford or, you know, MIT. I don't have those backgrounds. What do I do? Um, The reality is who cares about 
what you're supposed to do. Who cares if you don't have the right background? I didn't. You know, oh, you want to go into this? You don't have that. I'm like, well, let's stop giving out resumes, I said to myself. We're done. So 10 years ago, I stopped. I said, anyone who wants my CV should already hire me. I thought to myself, like, if you want me, just see me out there, right? Like, you can just hire me. Like, you'll see my work, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to show you my work. Um, You can see it all over the internet now. Um, So it's, but that was a buildup, of course, of that. But I don't listen to people. I don't trust anyone. That sounds weird, but I don't trust authorities telling me who I'm supposed to be. And that's been since I was a kid. You know, I was in special ed, not special good, because, I don't know, maybe because I was an immigrant kid, because I didn't speak right, you know, or speak well, you know, <laughs> like, you know, so it's, you know, I, you know, you don't fit in, right? So I was told always I was never going to finish classes. So they plopped me in front of a computer when I was little. You know, here I am, like, six-year-old, just put in front of a room, like, front of a computer and just played all day. I'm like, you did me a favor. Mm-hmm. Like, I literally in front of a Mac when exactly this is what I was supposed to do, right? Like, I'm in front of, you know, special ed put me in front of a computer and I go, this is the future. That should have been everybody, really, you know? Um, so some negatives turn into positives. I was told I was never going to graduate high school, never get into university, never graduate university, someone else told me, never get into master's, never graduate my master's. Uh, never become a founder. You don't have the right industry backgrounds and stuff. Or never be this, never be that. I'm told this continuously, even now. Like, how did you do that? How is that possible? Why you? So, for all the listeners out there, like, don't don't believe people. You know, don't believe them. Don't believe people. Just believe yourself and believe. Believe when the money hits the the, the bank account. You know, <laughs> like that's the one. Or the 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 likes and the you know like just. Yeah, I have this very, very big thing in me that I don't believe. I don't, I I trust and love people, but I also, on the opposite, I don't, I I need to prove it for myself first, and then I I trust. Then I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, Because if I listen to all those people who didn't like my background or didn't like me or didn't like my accent or um, they didn't like that I have a learning disability or... um, didn't like the way I did my math because it didn't follow rightly, like it didn't follow the textbook or, um, but I was getting the answers right. Like things like that, like the system's broken. So I'm not going to believe it. Why should I believe a broken system that is telling me that I'm not right? (laughs) You know, so I think at the end of the day, just don't believe people and do what you got to do and do exactly what you need to work on that your vision is trying to get you and just work hard. This is not um, this is not just um, automating your life and just hanging out on a beach, which wouldn't it be awesome if we can get AI to do that? Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, could we get an AI Kate? I mean, it sounds scary after I just said it, but uh, oh, too bad. slippery slope bad. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, it's yeah. a little bit of It could be Black tweeting Mirror. out very, very bad things, <laughs> and you'll be like deleting all of it. It'll be bad. It'll be funny. Getting a AI Simran. AI Kate's like, gonna need a publicist. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it'll be a lot of risk. Uh, risk. Uh, <laughs> even I, even I know that. Uh, the 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 thing that I one one thing of many things that I love about what you just said is that you, you can start 
at any time. Mm-hmm. We put, yes. there's so much pressure on, to your point, like this, these right moments, the right education, the right credentials, and they have to happen at very specific points in your life. It's bullshit. Yeah. And this, like, this beauty of this lifelong curiosity that feels like, I don't know, the foundation of how you live your life means that at any point you could decide. And it doesn't mean it's not scary. You know, it doesn't mean that there won't be difficulties and challenges, which I think you've represented, you know, so authentically. But just because you studied a thing or just because you're in a career now or just because fill in the blank for whatever's relevant for you doesn't mean you can't at any point question it. Or it doesn't mean you can't change your mind. Be like, I've been passionate about this thing for 10 years, but maybe I'm not anymore. Yeah. And I think the more we can empower people to have that level of agency over their own life, like that's what is so fascinating to me about being an entrepreneur. You're like actively swimming through the sludge saying, yeah, but what if? To have the courage to just ask the question um, is, I think, what a lot of people still struggle with. And I hope that, you know, they're hearing your story and realizing that if you're, if you're not doing what you love right now, or even if you don't know what that is, start by asking yourself the question and see what comes up. Yeah, completely. I really want to make it clear as well on age. There's a lot of ageism on these perspectives. There's a lot of people thinking... I am too old or whatever. But ageism is a big thing where, oh, that's that's done now, right? And that's a young person's game. Exactly. Yeah. And I think on the average, I think the average age of an entrepreneur um, right now, like uh, like you know, a startup founder is like, I don't know, 44 or something in their 40s, right? And that's exactly where we're at as a startup like team. You know, uh, from C from all our founders, like that's our kind of like twenty to, you know, um, I won't say the age group of everybody. So I'll just say it's in the range. Um, but I think the media loves the hype of certain imagery. Mm-hmm. But you know what? They love the 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 good story of someone turning their lives around, right? Like, you know, or changing their their whole careers and being that person. Um, any age, you can start a business at any age because there's always opportunities and there's always someone who wants a problem solved. So you can do it anytime. Um, skill sets can be learned or they could be hired or they could be no-coded even, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, being designers of our own products Everyone, the first thing I say is become a designer versus becoming a developer first. If you're if you're not coming from a technical background, but I think technical backgrounds should become designers too. You want to design good products or good campaigns, and work on your creativity. Work on creativity because that will make you very different as a person. Because mm-hmm. everyone can build stuff. Everyone can design things. The thing that really makes it come into being seen by users and being wanted is that creativity spark. And I think we, again, putting it down to the universe statements that I said in the beginning, it's like, you know, it sounds fluffy. Creativity sounds fluffy. And I'm like, which commercials do you remember the most? Which products do you love the most? The quirky ones that have the little bouncing things or the, 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 the top, like things that, that, make you interact in a very creative way with your with some products. Um, 
these are things that I think will change the world is if we invest more in creativity. Mm-hmm. Is um, it's not it's not about becoming an artist and and drawing around. It's and it could be. It's about how do we help people become more creative in their worlds. And this is like a for me, creativity is one of the things that I think people should think about is how do you how do you develop more of a creative thinking life for yourself and how do you solve problems in creative ways and how do you create opportunities in creative ways um i took a course in 1999 my undergrad um, with professor igor kazishin on creativity he's a professor in psychology or he was a professor in psychology he passed away and every day i think i think of him every day if there's one there's different people in your life that really impact you and Igor would, uh, he put up the video of Steve Jobs, um, the create, the, he put up the commercial that Apple put up about creatives, right? And you have Martha Graham and it's that beautiful commercial around creativity. Mm-hmm. And this is 1999. I'm watching this and I'm going, what is that? Who does that? You know, and it blew everyone out. Like everyone's like, what is going on? Right. And that course was all that. I took the course twice, not because I failed the first time. It's I took on added credit on top. So because I loved it. It was all about um ingenuity, creativity, innovation. You know, I created a, a, a the project for that was a, a this is 1999. I created a borrow a bike program on campus because I thought the future would need borrow like would need sharing of of bikes um and then seeing them around Toronto is great right not not my project but that was like a a project they stole all the bikes we didn't have the mechanisms mechanisms that's why you need the creativity of a business or the person who wants to do this um with the technology had to come at the right time and what I learned was creativity was the thing that I think changed my thinking about the world and also how do I always take a creative spin in anything I'm doing to make it really special. And it goes back again, I I always take a spin of romance around anything that's technology or business because again, why do we even build this? Mm -hmm. It needs to be at the heart of ourselves. And um, yeah, I, I, I really do dream of, of creating things that not only have impact, but People just, I don't know, just love. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. All right. Well, sorry. No. Before we go, it's our favorite time of the episode. It's called Rapid Fire. Rapid Fire. Rapid Fire. (laughs) Fire, fire, fire. All right. We're going to, it'll be five questions. First thing that comes to mind. What's your favorite time of the day? 11 a.m. Specific. Yeah. Reason? You just had the first coffee. Like you've had the second coffee. Okay. And something happens at that moment. And you're just like, I don't know what, what happens. It's 11 a.m. I love it. It's a coffee thing. We're going to go back to when, when we were in airplanes. Window or aisle? window. Simran and I, well, you are an avid reader as well. 
ebook or hardcover? Everything. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> yeah, both. Both. I love, I love books. I love them. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Books are friends. Yeah. All right. Um, what's the best compliment you've ever received? You're funny. <laughs> you are funny. <laughs> I, but I don't think I'm funny. I think I just, I just love making people laugh. I love it. I love books and I love people laughing because I know, because as hard as anything gets in life, if you just laugh, and it's a family thing for us too. My family are all about laughs. If you can get around a fight, we all make fun of each other. So um, if something's going bad, you just kind of crack a joke and then everyone starts laughing and everything just goes down. And every time someone's, t- see, if there's people too serious in front of me, I will try to make them laugh. It's a bad thing though, because just leave them, man. Who cares if they're not going to laugh? But the person who's got the stone face in front of the audience and doesn't laugh, I try to make them laugh. I realize that's not good. I'm not in stand-up. I am just trying to pitch my company and maybe put a joke there. And maybe if people remember me making them laugh, they might remember me after too, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, laughing. Okay, well, I'm totally going over. I'm going to do two more. So if people have been counting, it's more than five. But <laughs> what song can you listen to on repeat? Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, I love Tool. And um, any, I could, well, I, I just listen to the albums over and over again. Okay. So I, it's a metal thing. Okay. Got it. And then last one, coffee or tea? Coffee. Coffee. But I love tea. Tea is very good for you. So please drink green tea. I don't know what it does. I've read an article. (laughs) Drink your green tea and then drink your chamomile at night and have only two cups of coffee in the morning. That's it. Don't drink more coffee. Sorry. Some really good life advice right there. Right there. I'm just going to I'm just going to take that and yeah. imply it. We should tomorrow. probably remember that, Kate. Yeah. Uh, cuz I don't think you and I follow those rules. Sleep is important. Sleep is fundamental to your creativity and your brain going into its own imagination and loving what it's doing. So we'll give it a little bit of rest. So it gave you what it gave during the day and just give it give it some time back to it. So sleep well. You gave my brain and heart a lot today. So thanks, Helen. No, thank you so much. Thank Uh, you for sharing your story. It was beautiful. Thank you. Women Who is a podcast by Dentsu International and available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Women Who. And that's spelled at W-O-M-X-N underscore W-H-O. 